This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Glam Mirror. Hi, I'm Dr. Tabitha Samir, and you are joining me for Glam Mirror. I am a cosmetic dermatologist here to uplift, inspire, educate, and talk about all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glam Mirror. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Tab Samir of Glam Mirror, and thank you for tuning in today. I have an extremely, extremely special guest today, Alexa Carlin, who is a motivational speaker, an author, and health coach, and she's founder of this nonprofit, Hello Perfect. And really, I want her to talk about the fact is that she almost lost her life several years ago to sepsis. She was in a coma for several days and just her story of what she went through and what she had to deal with during that time is so magnificent and so touching. I couldn't wait to bring her on to talk about everything and I have so many questions for her. So welcome, Alexa. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I know that you were also featured in, in other, like Oprah Winfrey Network and the Huffington Post. And before we get into the nitty gritty, what are you kind of doing right now? I met you through Periscope and the Periscope app, and I know that you're doing a lot of great motivational speak, speak, speeches to people. So just talk a little bit about that if you like. Yeah, right now I'm um, working to to travel the world through speaking by sharing my story mm -hmm. and empowering people to live a life that they love through um, really being vulnerable and sharing what I went through to turn tragedy into triumph. Yeah. And um, I wrote a book, so um, I sell my book and I'm a content creator and I share everything on Periscope and really working to make this um, this uh, medium of hope for people. One of the things you said at the conference that I thought was amazing was, um, imagine if you could live your life knowing you weren't going to fail, and how would you live it differently? And you said that that was one of the things that you realized when you were laying in that hospital bed. Mm -hmm. So can you just take me back to that day, what happened, and the events surrounding it so we could kind of get this everybody to kind of understand what, what had happened? Yes, definitely. So I was a senior at the University of Florida and I was living life to the fullest and you know, I was a 21 year old thinking nothing could happen to me. And all of a sudden I started to have flu-like symptoms. I started to have the worst like shivers and shakes, a high fever. And all my friends were like, oh, it's just the flu, just the flu, even though I got the flu shot a week prior to that. And we were uh, planning a party for Hello Perfect, my nonprofit, that Saturday. And I started getting symptoms on Monday. And I told my mom I wanted her to come up for the party. And my mom's like, no, you don't want me. It's just a college party. And I was like, no, no, I really want you to come up. So she drove up, and that Saturday I was so sick, and she took me to a walking clinic. They gave me an IV of fluids and antibiotics, sent me on my way, and was like, have fun you at later. your party. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, later that night, I got in the shower, and when I got out, I, 
my chest was beating so fast and my mom could see my heart beating out of my neck. And my mom's like, that's it, we're going to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. Canceled the party, drove to the emergency room, and within seconds they took me in because my blood pressure was dropping rapidly. Yeah. They began doing all these tests on me, x-rays, MRIs, CAT scans, and I was in so much pain because my heart was beating uncontrollably fast. But they couldn't give me any pain medicine because my blood pressure was so low. Yeah. And um, after hours of tests and like getting fluids and blowing up, I ended up getting actually severe pneumonia because they were putting so much fluids in my lungs. And um, they told my mom, we have to put your daughter into a coma or else she's going to die. So they had to put you into a medically induced coma to basically control your body because your blood pressure was plummeting, your heart rate was racing, and yeah. your lungs were filling up with the fluid. Yeah, I and my body was going into septic shock. You were going into shock. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened then, is they told you that they had to put you into a coma. Can you talk about what that felt like? Yeah, I mean, I remember someone asking me, Alexa, do you want to be put into a coma? And because I had a mask on my face trying to help me breathe, and I couldn't breathe with it on. I tried pulling it off, and when I realized I couldn't breathe with it off, I knew something was, was really bad, really bad happening. And so I said yes, everything went black. Um, they actually told my mom, call your family. She has 24 hours to live. They gave you 24 hours to live. Yes, 24 wow. hours. And I remember everything that I, I saw and felt, and. Um, while I was in the coma. So talk about that, because this is something that's so fascinating to me. Your eyes were closed. You couldn't talk. How do you know what's going on around you? It was, uh, I didn't know what was going on around me. I was in a completely different world. Okay. And, and this world was more realistic than the reality I'm living right now, sitting here talking to you. Wow. I was uh, running in a field of green, green grass, and this green does not exist in this reality. Mm -hmm. And there was beautiful red mountains behind me, and I was just running with the wind, but I wasn't in a body. I was this being of light, mm -hmm. and I was so free. But I never thought that I was going to die. I knew that my time wasn't over. There was something bigger for me to do while I was here. Um, but I was never scared when I was in the coma. Right. But then I woke up six days later. Right. Woke up, mask on my face, tube down my throat, uh, hooked up to nine different bags of antibiotics so I couldn't move, breathe, or speak on my own. I couldn't even have a glass of water. Do you know what's really interesting about hearing you talk right now? Your voice while you were talking about the other place that you were at was so calm and so soothing. And then as soon as you discussed your body again, your voice got more tense. Did wow. you notice that you just did that? It totally changed. It's like I'm listening to you talk about this place that you were at, and I felt really at ease listening to it, like very peaceful. And then as soon as you talked about your body, I felt everything change. Like your entire body just got tense. That, that makes perfect sense because it's still with me, like the repercussions of what's happened from this health. And when I think about it, I get so um, anxious, yeah. Um, going back to the coma part of it, because mm -hmm. I want to kind of gradually ease people into, if you don't mind. I of mean, course. And if, I, if there's anything I'm missing, I just kind of want to understand. Like, when you were in that other place, did you know what was happening in the room with your mother? Did, did any of that happen to you? Did she, if she talked to you, do you remember hearing it? Anything like that? I don't. Um, they said that like I squeezed her hand and when my friends came and I would respond to their voice, but I do not remember that at all. But this is something that actually happened when I was in the coma that my mom told me. 
and uh, my mom, I mean, me and her are best friends. Course, yeah. And she, there was a point when they told her, they told her twice that mm-hmm. within the next 24 hours, we'll know if she lives or not. They gave me a 1% chance. Wow. And there was this time when my mom was really scared that this was the end, like yeah. what was going to happen. And she went uh, outside the room and because there was no, no stress allowed in the room at all. And she hid behind a vending machine and lay down on the floor behind a vending machine and was hysterical crying. And all of a sudden, she feels someone's arm on her shoulder. Yeah. And she looks up, and it's this older man, and he said, everything's going to be okay. Oh, my God. And she never saw him again in the ICU. Wow. And it's just, there was definitely... Um, the universe on our side yeah. at that moment, yeah. And you remember anything else while you were under at all? You remember any of those images? People say you see relatives or pets. I don't. I don't know. It just seems like you would know if uh, if you saw anybody that you maybe related to or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't. I didn't see anyone because I don't think I got that far. I think I was in that place that's just so peaceful gotcha. versus getting to that point. Because you probably were never meant to go that far. Right, which, yeah. which I'm grateful for. Yeah, that's why we're here right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember, so the time in the coma and the time out of the coma kind of blurs together because even out of the coma, mm-hmm. I still couldn't do anything on my own. And But I had my mind, and I knew I wasn't dying because my mind was clear. And, and that's I'll, one thing you talk about is that all you had was your mind. Right. And I always tell people it's mindset. Your mindset will determine your life. And you said that. And that's kind of what the next step of this journey was. You being in that coma, unable to move in your body with your mind working. That must have been insane. Yeah, I couldn't talk. And I remember trying to write. And like in the beginning, I couldn't even write because I was in that coma for so long. And it was just it was so weird being able to know everything but not being able to communicate how we usually communicate Mm -hmm. and so it was all internal and you can drive yourself crazy with just your thoughts in silence and being in pain and not being able to tell anyone you're in pain and so the way that I handled this was I pictured myself on my high school track and I was running and I pictured water at the end of the race because I felt like I was on a race to live Mm -hmm. And I kept on saying in my head, water at the end of the race, water at the end of the race. And because I just wanted some water and you couldn't have any. And um, you felt thirsty. Too. So thirsty. Isn't that crazy? And nobody knew this. So nobody thirsty. could have known this. And when once I was able to write, they I still wasn't able to have water. I can have like a little like sponge in my mouth. Oh. It was so bad. And and so I was focused just on the goal, because if I if I took my mind away from the goal, who knows what would have happened because I was in so much pain and there was no way to focus on that pain or else it was unbearable. Yeah, so you had to take your mind off of it. You know, I want to talk about the darkest hours. You're usually at night when you're by yourself, you know, two, three, four in the morning. Maybe you're not sleeping because you're in bed all day. Mm-hmm. How did you get through that? Did that ever happen to you? Yeah, so actually um, every single night I had horrible, horrible nightmares mm-hmm. and each nightmare ended with me dying. Mm-hmm. You think that was like the devil trying to get at you or something trying to get at you? Because I think that me personally, I think things happen at night that we don't know about. Oh, I'm sure. And things I just I just do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that too. And I don't know what it was, but my family and friends were all in these dreams. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't when I was in the coma, but when I was out, I 
had all these friends. There was one when I was like on like Noah's Ark, like a boat with animals and my family. And there was a time where I had to like figure out how to save them and not myself. And I ended up like falling off a cliff. And mm. right when I thought I was going to die, I woke up. And every time I woke up out of the out of this nightmare, my nurse was standing right beside me because my heart monitor was going off like crazy. Mm-hmm. And so you can really see how your thoughts are affecting your entire body. Yeah. It's amazing, too, because like, when you're in those darkest hours, what got you through that? When you're having these nightmares and these whole things, how did you get through? Um, I, I stayed focused on, um, on my mind. So uh, I pictured my mind to be this, this pure, healthy pink, and the rest of my body was like black and rotting away. Mm-hmm. Uh, picturing like a healthy really lung. powerful versus like, yeah, uh, a sick body. Because sepsis was killing all of my organs. And I just stayed focused on my mind and I was picturing this pink color as a healing energy and I would just push this this color pink to the rest of my body. Mm-hmm. Every single second, every single moment that I was awake in the ICU, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. And I just continued to push and push and push and bring that healthy pink color down to the rest of my body. And I truly believe that is um, a, a factor to why I'm here today. It's, it's crazy to listen to you talk about this because you have such a strong will to live while you were there. Um, and did you have that kind of a positive outlook before? Were you a positive person before? How, what's your demeanor going into this? Because you have to be a little bit more of a positive person to think that way when you're in that situation. Yeah. I'm going to get to my point after I hear your answer. Yeah, so I'm, I've always been a positive person. Right. Um, but actually, during this time in my life, I was in a very dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, so this happened January 2013. Um, September 2012, a few months before then, um, I was living life to the fullest, you know, it was fall semester of senior year of college, and um, and I was falling in love for the first time, just got back from New York Fashion Week. But then um, when I went home for my sister's 16th birthday party, um, something tragic happened where her school found a suicide letter. And my little sister, who was 16 at the time, was going to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. She was struggling with anorexia and cutting, and... Um, and it was really hard for me and my family. And I had to go back to school because I only this was my last year and I had to finish. And so when I went back, I was so scared that my sister was going to hurt herself. And I began uh, blaming myself that I wasn't there for her because when she needed it the most, I was studying abroad in London mm-hmm. and didn't have, I couldn't talk to my family every day. And so I started blaming myself and I, I felt like I deserved to feel the pain that my sister was in. Mm-hmm. And you know what you what you think and what you want you Happen. attract. Yeah. So that's when my whole life turned around. Uh, my social life ended. My boyfriend started mentally abusing me. I, I just went from up here to all the way mm-hmm. to the bottom. And and then life hit me and I got I was yes. in a coma. It's funny because you were able to go back on that positivity that you have that positive. You know, and to bring that into to heal yourself. This is the, my point of that whole thing. I really feel like anyone out there who surrounds themselves by people who are negative, that is a real exchange of energy. I really firmly believe that. If you surround yourself by friends who are negative, 
who drain you of your energy, they are literally taking that from you, taking mm -hmm. your healing power, taking your positivity, taking your life, literally, not not some kind of, you know, I'm not using it some kind of analogy. I literally feel that. So you had that reserve. You were in going through situational issues, but you had that reserve to it so that when you were in this position, you're able to help yourself. I encourage people to surround themselves with people who make them happy and don't drain them because you don't know when you're going to need that energy. Right, definitely. <laughs> you don't know when you need to imagine your brain pink and going to the right. You just don't know. Right. If you were, and I, I know that even at my stage and my, my days, I still have to filter people out that are taking from my essence and my soul. I got to get, get rid of them. Yeah, and a lot of people ask me, how do you deal with negative friends and people in your life? And I've had this experience where um, there's people in my family that have negative energy. Mm -hmm. And and it's really hard to just like uh, block them or remove them from your life, especially when they mean so much to you. And so that's the same with coworkers mm -hmm. or friends that you've been friends with forever. And so what has worked for me, because I have seen like physically and directly that happiness and my health are, they're direct, like if I'm not happy, I'm very sick. Right. If I'm happy, then I'm getting healthy. Um, and so I, I need to protect myself for my health. So what I've come up with is kind of like this healing bubble. Yeah. So I picture myself uh, surrounded by this healing bubble throughout the day. And when negativity strikes from someone else that I really care about, mm -hmm. I'm able to sit by their side, listen, be there for them, but not absorb their energy. See, that's so important. And I think I love that you said that. People really need to learn that. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Um, it's all visualization. Visual mm -hmm. Visualization is so, so, so powerful. And it's just practice. Um, I do it a lot through meditation mm -hmm. and just visualizing that that bubble, whatever color you want, and, and thinking that you can be there for someone, but when they throw negative energy your way, it bounces off that See? bubble. And it's all about that, about about not trying to absorb it, but let it bounce off of you. Exactly. And not, and not hit them, but like <laughs> dissolve into right the back. ether. <laughs> but sometimes when you don't absorb it, it does hit them back because they get mad that you're not getting mad. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glammere with Dr. Tava Samir. You do a lot of motivational. Like one of the things I heard you say was when you were lying on that bed in the coma and not able to communicate with everybody, you regretted the fact that you weren't have, had not been able to live your life the way and do the things that you wanted. So can you speak to that? Yeah, so um, it goes back to my story with my sister. I was just in my apartment uh, in college and just waiting to live, waiting to go out. Um, once I moved to New York City, because that was my plan after college, I was like, oh, I'll make new friends when I move to New York. Oh, I'll go out when I move to New York. Oh, I'll do this when I move to New York. And I was playing this waiting game, which most, of, which a lot of us do. I did that too before I moved here. Right. <laughs> I sure did. Everyone was like, well, you stop talking about New York. I'm like, but I can't wait to get there. <laughs> exactly. But then I, when I was in the coma, I was scared I was never going to make it to New York. Mm -hmm. So did I truly live when I had the opportunity to live? 
And I really want people to understand what you just said. Did you really truly live when you have the opportunity to live? Are you waiting to live? Because so many of us are. You know, sometimes you get up in the morning, you just don't feel like participating in life. Yeah. Definitely. What if you didn't have another chance to do that? What if you were the one that was in a coma and had those same thoughts? And how do you encourage people to participate in life? I encourage people to tap into their breath. Because a lot of people, a lot of us, we get wrapped up in society if we have this nine to five or, you know, we go through the motions of reality that's set for us and we don't realize that we're living right now. And the one way to realize that this is our life is to honor the breath. Mm -hmm. Because if you're breathing, you are living. And that is an incredible thing because... We all we all take our breath for granted because it just ha- we just yeah. breathe. We don't have to think about it. Well, while you were talking about not being able to drink water, I just had a sip of my coffee and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna appreciate this sip yes. because <laughs> I just got to hear how she was in a coma, unable to communicate, and all she wanted is water. And I'm not gonna take another sip of this coffee until I appreciate the fact that I have it. I love that. Yes. Yeah. So you appreciate your breath. Yes. If um, I got my, I had my breath taken away from me, mm-hmm. and yeah. it really is. The breath is your is is life. It's the breath of life, really. You know what you said really early on is um, very powerful for me when you're talking about the other world that you are in. You know, I have lost a parent, and I have sometimes have dreams with my parent, and it's so vivid, colors I've never seen before, and I don't feel like I'm on this earth. Right. I really don't. Wherever I'm at feels amazing. It feels like this earth is this earth that we're on is like a cheat compared to what I saw in those dreams. So that was really powerful because the one thing you said it's colors that you've never seen. Mm-hmm. I saw purples that I've never seen before. I saw greens that I've never seen before. I saw just it was so clear and crisp. So if all of us are seeing that, it must be out there, right? I, I believe <laughs> it. That I, you're the first person that has actually um, said something that related to what I saw. That's, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah, when you said that I got chills because I had a yeah, dream. Yeah, I just got chills. Yeah, <laughs> I had a dream, and I, it was just so vivid, and that was what I remember. It was crisp. Like, you know, and we're trying to do HD, Ultra HD. This was beyond. And mm-hmm. like, it was purple, but it was so different. It was so, so yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now you have a gift. You had a lot almost taken away from you, and you're really using it to help other people. How are you doing that? Like, I know, but I'd like for you to tell me. (laughs) Yeah, so um, every single day I work to inspire and empower people to live a life that they love, and I do this through speaking. Um, I do a lot of speaking in colleges or conferences. What's the the one thing, not to interrupt you, but, you know, people take for granted their life and participating in life. And when you go to speak to someone, how do you get them to understand that? Like, what do you kind of, what are some tips that you would give, like, to somebody who's listening right now who feels like they want to give up or they feel, you know, it's worse than giving up is apathy for life. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them? I would tell them that, this life is a gift and you're here for a reason and even though uh, all around you might be darkness Mm -hmm. it's like depression is sometimes like consumes all of us it's like when you close your eyes it's all you see is darkness and you have to have patience with yourself Mm -hmm. because you have to understand that you are going through this for a reason things don't happen to you Mm -hmm. they happen for you Mm -hmm. and you have to go through this journey and these experiences in order to become the person you are meant to be right 
And so what uh, what I feel is like people kind of get caught up in their lives and they feeling sorry for themselves and feeling like hopelessness. And I remember if you just believe, you know, how do you give people their beliefs back, like their their hope back? Because you do a lot of that. You speak really lovely. You really oh, do. Think, yeah. um, and I just I feel like it comes from a center of absolute sincerity and experience. Yeah, it does. I, I give people uh, hope by being so vulnerable and open and sharing my story of tragedy. Because the thing is, like, this experience changed my life forever. I was on this one path towards living uh, a high fashion lifestyle in New York City to, to where I am now. And I, I, I'm so grateful for it. But I do suffer from health issues. I do. I did have a compromised immune system. I have tons of digestive issues, and you know, um, there's things that I was diagnosed with that are inc- not curable. Right. And I share that with people because I'm able by sharing, you're able to relate to other people and and show them that you know we're all going through something. Mm-hmm. But if you can stay focused on something you're passionate about, yeah. that gives you the the will to live. And it opens the door to more more positivity. Like I feel like when people are sad or depressed or angry, it consumes them, and they like they put a seal around their heart and their soul that nothing can penetrate. So what you just said, finding something you're passionate about, even if it's lip gloss, you yes. know what I'm saying? Just get that lip gloss and love that lip gloss. Yes. And I don't mean to. I'm just saying, you know, like I look at how my three year old niece loves makeup. I'm like just anything like a little teeny thing to open you up to lightness right and anytime you're having one of those bad days and just like everything's going wrong because usually uh, negativity comes in ripple effects Mm -hmm. one thing goes wrong you're automatically in a negative mindset Mm -hmm. and then you attract more negativity in your life so the way to stop that and and not let one moment like one bad moment make an entire bad day Mm -hmm. because this is your life you want to live this entire day and you're going to have bad moments so what I do that works for me is I I do something that makes me happy whether it's going to get a chai tea latte or taking my dog for a walk or taking a nice bath the little things that will help me change that mindset so the rest of my day goes smoothly versus negatively did you suffer from depression after this happened I did how did you pop out of that because you know what you were fighting in that hospital bed but then when you get out, you've had all these health problems. I heard you say you had another relapse or something mm-hmm. happen where you got sick again, that you had anxiety about worrying about getting sick. Mm-hmm. So you suffer from depression, and that sometimes is harder to pull yourself out of. It's so hard. Um, yeah, I was so happy I was out of the coma, but then months later after I moved to New York, I got sick again, and after that I, I suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. And that was harder um, than ever to pull myself out of because it consumes you everything ever like even if my heart was beating a little bit fast I was so scared oh my god do I have to go to the hospital Mm -hmm. and so that's so hard because you're living in fear yeah so every single day um, it was getting harder and harder to wake up and have this uh, light for love or this this wanting to live it was sometimes like what am I doing? Yeah. And uh, why bother? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because it was just, I was living in fear. It's no way to live. So 
I can I, I had hello perfect at the time so I continued to create YouTube videos mm -hmm. um, how to be happy how how gratitude can change your life and I, I got really into self-help books and meditation for the first time and spirituality and that's when really I was open to this whole new world of spirituality really and that kept me going for a little bit and I remember someone saying like how can you do a YouTube video on how to be happy when you're not happy exactly when you're miserable yeah and and they're like you're not being truthful authentic, yeah. authentic. Mm -hmm. and that really hits hard for me yeah. because I am a very authentic person and I and I and I said you know these YouTube videos these messages they are truly who I am I'm just masked by someone that experience has made me to be mm -hmm. and by teaching others and helping others I'm finding that You're person again I often find that there's two people that reside inside of us the true authentic self which is happy mm -hmm. and then that second person that tries to talk yourself out of being happy or hopeful I don't know it's weird because I, I whenever I'm like feeling negative about something I think to myself but that's not really me talking you know, right. after I lost one of my, my parents, I went into massive depression and I thought to myself, you know, this isn't who I am. I want to mm -hmm. be who I am again. So you get to a point where you have to fight for your happiness because yeah. it's not as easy as it was when you, you know, lucky enough to be happy as a kid. And that's what you really teach people to, to get that back because you had to go through a lot. Yeah, it was, it was very, very hard. Um, but the, the changing, like, moment for me really was realizing that things don't happen to you they happen for you yeah. and I, I stopped asking myself why, why? you're never gonna know why you yeah figure it out. you're never gonna know why and that why can drive you crazy and I was only 22 I mean I'm 24 now but I was only 22 at the time and I was like I can't live the rest of my life like this I'm yeah. only 22 I years know. old it's gonna happen with some people do though some mm -hmm. people do. I'm telling you what, some people do. Like, I have people who are, you know, in my pa practice when I was in medical school in my residency, I had a guy who was 80 years old, and he was talking about how he's still mad at his parents for the way they treated him when he was, you know, a kid. And I remember thinking, oh, but you're 80 now. How long are you going to blame somebody else? People start to identify with the thing that hurt them, and it becomes part of their identity. So saying that you're only 22 or 24, how am I gonna be like this the rest of my life, is actually very, very powerful, because some people don't do that. So yeah. you've written books and you speak. Can you please let everybody know what, what's next for you and what you plan on doing with your with your message? Yeah, I um, a lot of people, you know, I'm on Periscope, mm -hmm. and a lot of people on Periscope have been asking me to uh, teach what I learned through my experience. So um, aside from speaking and writing, I'm working on some online programs because that's a great way to help millions of yes. people. Um, so uh, my next online program will focus more on how to turn tragedy into triumph. Right. And um, some key like tools like guided meditation and journaling. And I, you'll be talking about that on your online course. Yes, okay. it will be video, a lot of video. Um, and journaling was so big for me. Yeah. And I talk so highly about journaling um, because I have these two journals that there's a lot of negative stuff in there, yeah. but looking back makes me so grateful yeah. for how far I've come. Yeah. And the, the reason I say this is because when I was in that dark, dark place, 
it was hard to talk to anyone. Like anytime I talked about it, I would start hysterical crying. And sometimes people get sick of it. Yeah. You know, people don't want to hear the sad sob story anymore. And I didn't want to put that onto other people. But in a journal, you can be yourself. Yeah. Nobody's reading it. You can write down whatever you're feeling. And actually, when you start out negative with all those feelings, you actually end up pretty positive. positive. It's funny that you talk about that because I was just telling people, do start your journaling, but try to dedicate a page to a fantasy what if everything was okay how would you get there even if it doesn't seem realistic like somebody told me they were in a codependent relationship with their boyfriend I said well talk about that but don't make your entire journal about how, how he sucks why don't you have like a few pages dedicated to an imaginary even if it sounds crazy life of perfectness because mm-hmm. you might get that. Yeah, and that's so important. I, I talk so um, so much about v- visioning. Yeah. And in order to achieve anything, you have to have that vision in your mind. Yeah. And you have to feel it. It's like feel you lies. Like yeah. um, you can't just see feel it. Feel you lie. That's a great word. Yeah, feel you lies. <laughs> I like to use that. Because you can't just see it. You have to feel it. Yeah. So what, I, um, what helped me get out of that dark place was my passion. Because yeah. I am so passionate about my mission in life, which is to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to make that that difference, live that life I want to live, living in this dark place. Yeah. So um, it was just really, really important for me to to visualize what I wanted. So I would visualize me on stage and, and see what I would be wearing and feel the lights on me and hear the crowd like yeah. shuffling into the sh- uh, to the to their seats you. and like and feeling good, the right? goosebumps and like the yeah. little bit of sweat from nervousness. And um, sooner or later, I got to that stage. Which is, you were, you're on that stage this weekend, which is why you're here now this week because I, I saw you and I was totally blown away by you. Talk about if you have any final words and where everyone can find you on social media and your online courses because um, I want people to be able to know where to find you. Yeah, definitely. So my final words is for anyone that's going through something because we all we all have our own story is um, have patience with yourself. Patience is a really key um, thing that helped me get through because you always want to be somewhere you're not. Mm -hmm. But remember that you are learning and you are growing. Even though you think you're taking five steps backwards each day, you really are taking 10 steps forward. So have patience with yourself and and just always tap into that breath um, because you are worthy of living a life you love. See, that's amazing. That's amazing. This is coming from someone who at such a young age could have given up and just given in but used your mind to heal yourself over and over and over again. And now she's teaching everybody else. Where are you on social media? I know you're big on Periscope. I follow her. She's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, so you could follow me on Periscope, Twitter, and Instagram at Alexa Rose Carlin. And also on Facebook, I'm Alexa Carlin. And you can check out all my blogs and my book and uh, my online courses at alexacarlin.com. Thank you so much for being here. You're a remarkable young woman. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. It was really a great conversation. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.